Welcome to the Moments Podcast. We believe that every youth service should have three elements, worship, the word, and an exciting atmosphere. While we can't replicate our worship through song or our intense games on this podcast, we can certainly replay one of our favorite parts of the night, Pastor Wesley's message from God's word. So without further ado, here is this past Wednesday's Jesus Moment. that uh, switched it up for a few of you. It's not the same sermon bumper I had last week now, is it? (laughs) And uh, man, that song gets me every time. And I I purposely played it tonight to introduce the theme of tonight. And he says in the song, man, it's just, I get goosebumps every time I listen to the song. He says, the drugs get to flushing, the tears get to flooding, the old me is dying and never recovering. This is how Lazarus sounds on a record. You see the rescue, but I saw the wreckage. And, and, and the entire song is about how God brought this man, this rapper, from death to life. And that's where I want to, to camp tonight, to land tonight. As we go through God's word, I want us to talk about what it means to go from death to life. And, and last week we talked in the book of Exodus how God called Moses to meet with him. Okay, we're in a three-week series on the presence of God. Does anybody remember the three S's from last week? I'll give you a hint. The first one was sight. Moses saw God, and that sight led to satisfaction. The more that Moses spent time with God, the more that Moses saw who God was and who God is and what God does, he became satisfied with God. And the more satisfied Moses became with God, the more Moses was willing to sacrifice for God. Therefore, what you set your eyes on is eventually what you will sacrifice for. And when your eyes are set on drugs and sex and alcohol or TikTok and Instagram and Hulu, when that's what your eyes are on, that is what you will sacrifice your time and yourself for. But when you begin to set your eyes on the presence of God, on who God is, You experience God. Does anybody remember the illustration that I could not do (laughs) because I couldn't get it to work? I had a what in my hand? A match, and I could not light the match no matter how hard I tried. (laughs) I sucked at it. But the idea is that when friction meets the match, what happens? What happens when you strike a match against a matchbox? It lights on fire, okay? And if you want to see the fire of God's presence in your life, there has to be friction. There has to be you choosing to look on who God is, and that sight leads to satisfaction, and that satisfaction leads to sacrifice, and you walk in obedience. And this week, I wanted to pick up where we left off with Moses. Uh, but before I do it, I feel it's only fitting that I share a story of one of my personal favorite uh, movies and, and, and a character that I just, I can't get enough of. How many of you have seen, what's that weird like Frankenweiner movie called? Is it Frankenweenie? Isn't there another movie kind of similar to that where it's got like the weird like little skeleton dudes? No, not Pessimary. It's like, not, I hate to, like Mexican, like... 
Coco. Yeah, okay, Coco. <laughs> this is so not related, but how many of you know Frankenstein? How many of you know Frankenstein? The movie, the book, Mary Shelley, just the idea in general. Now, in one sentence, who can tell me the story of Frankenstein? <laughs> well, so they take this guy and they take all of these different parts and they put them together and they do all this stuff in the, in the book and in the movie. And bam, Frankenstein. And then in the original book, Mary Shelley was trying to describe how Frankenstein saw reality, okay? Frankenstein grew up. And he watched as this old man in a, in a house. And this old man had kids, and his kids would come inside the house, and they would leave the house. And Frankenstein longed to have a dad, just like the kids of this old man did. They, everything in them wanted the comfort and care of a loving father. And so day after day after day, Frankenstein would look through the windows of this home, totally not creepy, and he would watch the old man and his kids. And the old man couldn't see. He was blind. Frankenstein thought to himself, you know what? Maybe he will accept me for me because he can't see me. And as the story goes, Frankenstein comes in and the kids see him in fear. He runs away. And Frankenstein was, was dead. <laughs> he, was, he was all of these different parts of just non-life brought together to create life. And I love the story of Frankenstein because it reminds me that God didn't come here to make bad people good. He came here to bring dead people back to life. God doesn't want you to just be a good person. He wants you to be somebody that is full of life, life that only God can give. And as Moses was calling as God was calling Moses out of Egypt, he said to Moses, Moses, I am who I am. I am God. And Moses eventually responded with this statement. Lord, I have never been eloquent. Let's just stop right there. How many of you have ever used a deficiency as an excuse not to do something? I'm not good enough. I can't talk well enough. I'm not strong enough. You guys following me? Deficiencies. What's the deficiency in your life? Okay, I don't know what it is, but can you roll with me for a moment? What is that deficiency in your life? Maybe you think you're not smart enough or talented enough or brave enough. Moses loved to throw this reality in God's face. God, I can't talk to the Pharaoh, the king of the Egyptians, because I'm not good at talking. And I know none of you are bad at talking, so maybe you can't relate to Moses, but Moses had a speech impediment. And Moses said to God, I can't talk, and my tongue is sluggish. And God said to him, who placed the mouth on you? Who are you to tell me what I can and can't do through you? And Moses and God are arguing back and forth, and eventually God just says, fine, I will send your brother to speak to the Pharaoh. You see, the reason God called Moses to speak in the first place was because 
God wanted to free the people of Israel from the Egyptian slavery, okay? The Egyptians, say, let me say Egyptians, had the Israelites in slavery. And so God wanted to call them out of slavery, and he wanted to use Moses. What did he want to use Moses to do? To go before the king of the evil slave people and speak to him and say, God has commanded you to let my people go. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd probably be a little nervous to stand in front of a president of a nation and tell him, God has commanded you to let my people go. But God called Moses to do that, and Moses said, no, I have a speech impediment. My deficiency will not allow me to do what you've asked me to do. And I wonder if there is some area of your life that God is revealing to you. Maybe it's something you're holding on to and need to let go of. Maybe it's sin or a bad line of thinking. I don't know what it is, but maybe you are so stuck on what you can't do that you've lost sight of what God wants you to do. Okay? You following me? And here's really my only point tonight that we will develop throughout the rest of the text and different people. And you can write this down. Stop managing your deficiencies and start magnifying his dignity. Stop managing your deficiencies and start magnifying his divinity. And this is the place that God called Moses to live in. This is the place that God is calling us to live in. To be changed and challenged by the presence of God. And I thought maybe I'd give you a few more examples. You know, none of us are old people. I'm I'm older, but I'm not, you know, like this 90-year-old hippie dude in the wilderness like Moses was. So fast forward to the next one. Peter. How many of you know Peter from the Bible? A few of you. Okay, Peter was like this warrior of a fisherman that said, I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't care who's going to stop me. And maybe some of you want to be like that. I know that there are some guys in the front row that want to be like that. In fact, let me tell you about a time on our eighth grade trip that we had a couple weeks ago. Listen, I mean to tell you it was the coolest thing ever. We were on top of a beach for Pickens' old battlefield bunker at 10 o'clock at night, we're sitting on top of the bunker. We see a beautiful beach in the background. It's, it's, it's dusk. The sun is gone. And man, what a sight it was. And I was like, this is perfect. Let's read our Bibles right here. Let's do the Devo right here as we look out at this beautiful landscape. And what we heard in the background was a... In the bushes. So I'm like, oh, it's just there's, just, there's people up here, right? Everybody comes to the beach at 10 o'clock at night in Fort Pickens on some secluded area. Kaylee's like, of course, I go there all the time. So I'm thinking there's somebody up there with us. And at this point, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm a little uncomfortable. Like, is it a bear? Is it a fox? Is it a squirrel? Like, what's the level of this threat? Because <laughs> I ain't seeing nobody. Ain't nobody poking their heads out. So I'm like, boys. Time to go. <laughs> Let's get out of here. So me and every other sane person that was with me 
got up and I said, let's be quiet. And we quietly made our way back down the hill to the van. Now, there was a certain individual, and I'm not going to say who, Chase, that decided he would be like Peter. And started screaming as loud as he could at the bush. (laughs) And then his brother, where's he at? And then his brother said, hey, let's take a rock and throw it in the bush. And I was like, you guys are Satan first. And you know what I did? Being the awesome youth pastor I was, I left him behind and I got in the van and I locked the doors. (laughs) I was not sticking around for whatever it was that these two dummies wanted to get to come out. But you see, this was Peter's problem. As mighty of a warrior that Peter wanted to be. Sometimes Peter allowed his pride and his arrogance to get in the way. And instead of being used by God, he wanted to become God and control the situation. And maybe that is the deficiency God wants you to let go of. Maybe you feel like you have to be in control of every area of your life. How many of you have ever felt that way? I want to know what's coming next. I want to know how this is going to work out. In fact, I wasn't going to share these, but I feel like I kind of should. Pride. I got to find it, though. They're buried in my notes. Pride. I'm just going to Google it because I know where to find it. Pride test. It's really, really good. Are you all ready for this? Are you sure you're ready? Here we go. In a conversation, I prefer talking about myself versus having other people talk about me rather than just listening to people. Do you ever struggle to just listen to somebody? Or does every time you talk, it has to be about you? In most situations, are you thinking about things that will benefit you, how it will reflect on you, or work in your favor? If you're honest, when making decisions, you tend to do what you think is best for you rather than what you think would glorify God. When someone says, I have hurt or offended them, I tend to think they are the one with the problem. When good things happen for other people, I tend to get jealous and have a hard time being happy for them. Do you desire a lot of attention and affirmation? Do you think you are generally better than most people? Are you a non-generous person and are more prone to take rather than to give? Do you feel like the world would be a better place if people just agreed with the way that you think and behave? You have a hard time not winning, and you're so overly Competitive, and there's 10 more questions on here. I tend to brag about myself and criticize others. I think more about myself than I think about God and other people. I have a hard time taking orders, receiving correction, or being under authority. And, and I'm not going to read the rest of the list because it's for a different sermon. But if you could say yes to any of those, and admittedly, I probably could say yes to several of those, then perhaps pride is our deficiency. We are choosing to live in. 
And just as God told Moses, who do you think you are? I am God, you are not. We weren't created to live in our deficiencies. We were created to magnify his divinity. Who else we got? Paul, I don't have any crazy stories for Paul. Maybe I do. Maybe one will come to me. <laughs> I, love, I love Paul because Paul murdered Christians before he was a Christian. Paul was like, I, see, I actually like Paul a lot because Paul was like the smartest guy you knew. Like when you think of somebody that's just so knowledgeable, that was Paul. Did you know that Paul was literally like his contemporaries were the smartest people alive in the Roman era? Like like the people on his level. Like I feel like I would never come close to Paul's level. But Paul's deficiency is that he allowed his knowledge of God to get in the way of actually just pursuing God. He had grown up in church and he knew a few things about what it meant to be a Christian, but instead of actually pursuing God and going into God's presence, Paul found himself just checking off the box. So when you wake up, do you ask yourself, man, I should read my Bible just so I can check off the box. And, And maybe you won't say that, but it feels like a chore to you. Maybe coming to church feels like a chore to you. Maybe serving feels like a chore to you. It did for Paul. The Bible says Paul was the most religious person ever, basically. And Paul had to come to a place in his life where he said, hey, life is not about me. Instead of managing my deficiencies, I'm going to magnify his divinity. And, and I want to make something clear. Divinity is a big word for God, (laughs) for the amazing, intrinsic, beautiful radiance and being that God is. Instead of living your life to reflect you, you live your life to reflect Jesus unto those around you. Stop managing your deficiencies and start magnifying his divinity. Now, perhaps one of my most favorite characters in the Bible. Lazarus. I love that graphic. <laughs> He's dead. He's like as dead as he can get. And in the song, he talked about how Lazarus experienced going from death to life. And what I love about the story of Lazarus is there's this girl named Mary and this girl named Martha, and they're all freaking out because the brother's dead. Now, I don't know about you, but I would freak out if my brother was dead. Wouldn't you? And they come up to Jesus, and Jesus is like, nah, fam. I'll raise him from death to life. And they're like, obviously you will at the end of the world. You know, everybody will. It's making all. We'll use this instead. Oh, that's so smooth and clear. I'll be like a, a faint. I'll be, I'm an Instagram preacher now. I'm holding the mic. <laughs> Maybe I qualify, but uh, Lazarus, okay. So Lazarus is so cool because 
They're all freaking out because their brother's dead. And Jesus is like, nah, fam, I'm going to raise him from death to life. And they're like, obviously you will in like a thousand million years when you raise everybody from the dead. And Jesus is like, no, just wait. And I love this because at the climax of the story, Lazarus is as dead as it gets. And he's buried in clothes like these. And they rolled him, they put him in a tomb. The stone was rolled over it. And before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, he says to them, roll the stone away. Now, if Jesus could raise Lazarus from death to life, why would he tell them to move the stone away from the tomb? Why would he possibly do that? Because Jesus didn't put the stone there. The people did. And the people didn't have enough faith to trust that God was who God is and God could raise Lazarus from the dead. And instead of magnifying the divinity of who Jesus is and was and what he wanted to do in their life, they said, nope, Lazarus is dead. Roll the stone out. And Jesus said, if you want me to move, you are going to have to roll back your deficiencies. You are going to have to get rid of what you placed in the way of me moving. For Moses, it was a speech impediment. For Peter, it was his pride. For Paul, it was his knowledge. And for Lazarus, it was a stone. What's your deficiency? What's the insecurity that drives you insane, that you just think makes you broken and worthless and unusable? What is your deficiency? And, And perhaps the greatest message of the night is to stop managing your deficiency and start magnifying his divinity. Because the moment that the focus comes off of you and onto Jesus, dead things come back to life. And I love this. One, one Bible scholar said it like this. Jesus walks up. Lazarus, come forth! And Lazarus, on the ground, wakes up and comes out. And everybody's like backing up because the dude stinks because he was dead. And one Bible commentator said, if Jesus had not used Lazarus' name when he said, come forth, every dead man in the earth would have risen at that moment. Because the voice of God is that powerful that when we choose to trust in the word of God, when we choose to listen to God's voice in our life, even if it makes us uncomfortable, even if we're convicted, even if God is trying to reveal us something, when you choose to listen to the voice of God, dead things come back to life. And I don't know what you feel like is dead in your life right now. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's the idea of a relationship. Maybe it's an area of your life that you used to walk in freedom in, but right now you walk in bondage. Maybe it's your anxiety. Maybe it's your fear of the future. Friends, listen, stop managing your deficiencies and stop, start magnifying his divinity. 
Something we say all the time is that there is nothing like being in the room on Wednesday nights. While we have tried to give you a glimpse of that, we encourage you to get the full picture with us and join us in the room this Wednesday. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Moments Podcast. Thank you.